Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. And good evening. This is a wee bit um, small for me. I'm a- Emily, can I steal your one? Is that all right? Well, good evening. It's such a pleasure to be with you all tonight. It's quite hot in here, isn't it? It's a bit sweaty. I don't know if maybe we want to crack a window if you're sitting on that side. That's a lot of pressure on you, Jenny, to be able to do that. But um, sorry about the uh, the slight sweatiness. There is no heating on, so it's just all of our all of our warmth, which is a really nice thought, isn't it? It's just hot bodies. (laughs) Um, Well, good evening. And tonight we are going to be continuing our series looking at the supernatural. Um, So we're going to be looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit throughout this. (laughs) Well done, Jenny. She's on it. Yes. More, Lord. More. Um, So we're looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit throughout this series. We've already looked at a few of them. Um, and you can catch all of those on the podcast if you've missed any. And tonight we're going to be looking at the gift of prophecy. Um, so if you've got your Bible on you, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you don't, I think it's, po- yeah, it's behind me. And we'll be starting at verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for um, the incredible Holy Spirit that is poured out on each one of us who believe in your name. And I ask right now, God, that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say to us tonight. We love you, God. Amen. The gift of prophecy is the gift or ability to receive and communicate supernatural revelation for a group or an individual or a situation. It's the huge um, privilege and blessing of playing a part in God speaking to someone. So communicating on behalf of God, which is slightly terrifying, but also this incredible invitation to partner with him. And the Bible is really clear that prophecy is something that God wants all of us to engage in. All of us are told to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy this gift of communicating on behalf of God. And I can remember growing up thinking that this prophetic gift was something sort of elusive and for like, I don't know, white-suited men somewhere. And it wasn't really something that I had ever really engaged in until I went to a festival called Soul Survivor 
which I'm sure loads of you will have been to um, as a teenager. I went to Soul Survivor, uh, and Mike was speaking that weekend. And, um, and he talked to us about the fact that prophecy, because it is a gift of the Spirit and because Paul tells us to eagerly desire it, he says prophecy is something for all of us that we can all have. And he said one of his first experiences with the prophetic was he went to a conference and there was a guy there who was speaking. And this guy was like super prophetic. And, um, and he systematically went through every single person in the congregation at this conference and had a specific prophetic word for each one of them. So Mike watched him as he did this and thought, this is unbelievable. I'd love to be able to do that. So he goes and talks to him afterwards. And he's like, how did you, like, how are you doing this? And the guy was like, well, it's really easy, Mike. You just have the Holy Spirit and listen to God and then and then you share what he's saying to you. And Mike was like, well, that does sound easy. I feel like I could do that. And like, I was like, great. Well, I'm doing another one of these conferences in six weeks' time. Why don't you come and be my assistant? <laughs> and you can give prophetic words as well. And so Mike's like, okay, terrifying. But I've got six weeks to become a prophet. And you can kind of do anything in six weeks, right? And so he's like, this is great, this is going to be fun, I'm going to pray every day, I'm going to read my Bible every day for six weeks until I become a prophet, I'm going to fast every day, you know, between, in between meals. I'm going to just really focus in and I'm going, to, I'm going to become a prophet. And so the first couple of days he goes really well and, and then really quickly forgets about it. And all of a sudden, six weeks rolls around and it's the day of the conference and Mike suddenly gets this sickening realisation that today he has to be a prophet. And, um, and so he's kind of like, oh, am, I, am I too ill to go? <laughs> but you're a Christian, so you can't lie. So he's like, damn it, I'm not ill. And so he's not too ill. So he's like, okay, I'm just going to have to do it. I'm just going to have to go and try my best. So he rocks up at this conference. And, um, and he sits down with the prophet guy. And this, this first couple come and sit down in front of them, hoping to receive a word from the Lord. And so... Mike starts praying, and he desperately tries to, to focus in on what the Lord might be saying to him, and he just gets nothing, mind blank. And then out of nowhere, the words of an ABBA song pop into his head. ABBA, as in like Swedish pop group. No one wants to really listen to their music anymore. ABBA like pops into his head. And he's like, this is, sorry, George, you obviously love ABBA. Um, <laughs> that's something we can pray out later. Um, Abba pops into his head the words of the song Dancing Queen. And he's like, oh no, Abba, go away, go away. I, can't, I need to focus on being a prophet. But this, that's all he's got, just the words of Abba. So he's like, fine, I'm just going to have to sit this one out. I'll just pass. Um, and hopefully that'll be fine. So the prophet guy delivers his word to this couple, very profound, very spiritual, and then turns to Mike and said, ah, Mike, you have a prophetic word as well to give. Why don't you share it? <laughs> Mike's like, ah. Um, but all he's got is Abba, so he says, um, I just really feel that the Lord might be saying to you, you can dance, you can jive, <laughs> having the time of your life. And then he's like ready to just bomb out the room and leave because he's so embarrassed. But this couple just start really laughing and laughing more than they should be. And he's like, oh gosh, what's happened? And it turns out this woman had actually, she's the pastor's wife, and she'd started this dance group at their church. It's like dance worship group. And it'd been going for a few weeks. But on the drive there, she was telling her husband, I'm just, I'm going to sack it in. I don't want to do it anymore. I just, I can't dance. I just feel really embarrassed. I just feel like I can't do it. And I want to give it up. And then she walks in and hears, you can dance. 
you can jive, having the time of your life. And so somehow, mystically, through the words of Abba, God actually reached out and spoke to this woman. And so Mike shared this story at Soul Survivor. And myself and my friend Anna were there, and we were like, right, if this like crazy English Greek dude can do it, we should probably try it as well. He says it's for everyone. So, so we go home and we're like, right, we're going to be prophets. <laughs> and, um, and it was break time at school. And so we thought, right, we're going to pray and ask for a prophetic word. So we get in this little corner of the playground and my friend Anna is like super keen. She's like, right, you go over that side of the room of the playground. I'll go over this side and then just pray and like write something down. <laughs> and then we'll see what God gives us. So I'm like, okay, let's go. And then I sit there and similar to Mike, I'm like just mind blank. And then out of nowhere, this picture comes into my head of this girl from our school, a girl called Kirsty. I didn't know anything about her. I didn't, I've never had a conversation with her. So I was like, that's random. So I tried to keep thinking and keep prophesying, but nothing else came. So I thought, I'm just going to have to write something down. So I wrote this girl's full name down in my notebook. And then me and Anna go back together. And she's like, oh, did you get anything? And I'm like, Ooh. So we swap notebooks. And then I open up hers. She's written down one name, full name this girl, Kirsty. So me and Anna are like freaking out, like we're prophets. <laughs> the Lord has spoken to us. And it was like, it was super encouraging because we're just these like audacious teenagers who believe that God might use us, right? So we're like, this is awesome. So we start praying for Kirsty, And we spent like ages actually praying for her because we were a bit overexcited at this point. And then we missed the bell to go back to class. <laughs> so suddenly we realized, we're like, crap, let's run back to class. So, so Anna runs this way. I run this way. I'm running through the, the corridors of our school, which is like the corridors are completely empty because everyone's back at class. And then I turn the corner and I see one person sitting on the floor in floods of tears. And it's this girl, Kirsty. I'm like, oh, flip. So I go up to her and I'm like, hi. Like, I know I don't really know you, but you know, you look upset. Is, are you okay? And basically, she just then shared her heart with me. And she, um, it turns out, had an eating disorder. And she was just really feeling really unloved and so she sat there and said I just feel like nobody cares about me nobody loves me and in this really cool way I was able to say I just really think someone does care about you I really think God loves you and I'll tell you why <laughs> I pull out my notebook I'm like my friend Anna and I've just been praying for you for the past like 20 minutes and she was so overwhelmed that this this God would would care enough about her to actually kind of put her face into these two teenagers' minds. And we, I had got the chance to pray with her and share the gospel with her. And it was just a really cool way of seeing God actually speak. Like, I really believe he actually spoke to us. And we really didn't know what we were doing. Like, we had, didn't have a clue. But we did stop and take time to listen that day. And we were tenacious enough to think that maybe he might speak. And I really believe that with the Holy Spirit, we receive the ability to hear and convey the voice of God. Even like if we're teenagers who don't know what we're doing, if we're older in our faith and we've never done this before, with the Holy Spirit, I believe that this gift is available for each one of us. And we see the gift of the prophetic throughout the whole Bible. Uh, in the Old Testament, God would speak specifically to certain appointed individuals, conveying his heart, his, his plans, his ways to mankind. And then in the New Testament, Jesus comes, 
And his birth and his life and his death were all prophesied about in the Old Testament. Did you know that there are over 300 references to the Messiah in the Old Testament? All about where he would be born, what family, the nature of his death. There's over 300 references. And every single one of them was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. There's this like statistician dude called Peter Stoner. And he um, is like really good at maths. And he worked out what the probability would be of these prophecies coming true in one person. And he said that the, the probability of just eight of those, so remember there's over 300, the probability of eight of those coming true in one person, he said is one in 10 to the power of 17. So to kind of get our heads around those numbers a little bit more, if you were to cover the state of Texas in the US in two feet deep in pound coins, and then on one of those pound coins, draw a little mark, and then you were to put a blindfolded person in Texas, and the probability of them picking that one pound coin that you've drawn the mark on, that is the probability of eight of the prophecies about Jesus coming true in one person. That's kind of wild, isn't it? I don't know who's got the time to work out that kind of maths, but I'm really glad that he did. The Bible is a prophetic book. And then with the coming of Jesus, we see this extraordinary gift of the prophetic come into its fullness through the giving of the Holy Spirit to the church. The Holy Spirit is poured out freely to everybody who believes in the name of Jesus. And that's so crucial for us here today, because if you're a follower of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, then I really believe that he wants you to step out in this gift of prophecy. I believe that if you haven't already, that this is a gift that he wants you to experience. In the new covenant, the Holy Spirit and the gift of prophecy is available for us all, if we're willing and able to listen. And so why is prophecy given? Why do we get this cool job of communicating on behalf of God. We see the answer in verse 3 of that chapter that we read. And it says this, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And then verse 4, the one who prophesies edifies the church. So the purpose of prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort people and to edify the church. And that's like the basic litmus test of prophecy. Is the word you're given, or the word that you're about to give to someone, is it strengthening, encouraging, comforting, or edifying? And if it's not, then you just ignore it. Adam has this horrible expression, just flush it, which is gross, but just ignore it. If, it's, if it doesn't fit in those categories, then, uh, then it's not. Just, just ignore it. But if it fits into those categories, then it may well be from God. And the other crucial way to test prophecy is, does it contradict the Bible? So the Bible is the ultimate authority. It's the written word of God. And so every prophetic word must be subject to the authority of Scripture. Michael Green explains it like this. Prophecy is not the equivalent of Scripture. Prophecy is a particular word for a particular congregation at a particular time through a particular person. Scripture is for all Christians in all places at all times. So one way to look at prophetic words is that they're a little bit like a tactical call in like a football match or a rugby match, but being Irish, I shouldn't talk too much about rugby. 
today after yesterday. <laughs> that was that was some people are not happy about that. Um, so let's go with football. So it's like a tactical call in football. And so you know if like you're playing a football match and there's the rules of the game of football, but then the manager might come in and make a tactical call that is specific to that game and whatever's going on in that, whatever players are on the pitch. And I, I'm not good at sports metaphors, <laughs> but you get the idea. And, um, and the idea is that prophetic words, they cannot and they must not override the truths of the Bible, right? Tactical calls, they can't override the rules of football. But within that context, they can be incredibly helpful. And so scripture is always God's word, but prophecy has to be weighed. And, you know, we can talk a lot about the theory of prophecy, but I also want us to share stories together of the prophetic at work in our lives. I asked a whole bunch of, this peop- of people this week just to kind of raise my, my own faith, to be honest, of what God is doing in our community. I asked loads of people to share with me what prophetic experiences they had, and it was so incredible, and I, I could really encourage you to do this because I got some amazing responses. And the reason we share these stories is because, one, it builds faith. If I see that it's happened for you, it builds faith it's going to happen for me. And I think, two, it encourages us that we have a responsibility to one another. So many of the stories that people sent me where I was, like, really struggling with this, and then someone else from the community gave me this word, and it really helped me. So we have this amazing kind of responsibility to one another. And I just wanted to ask Iswe if he would be up for sharing a wee story. He um, sent me back a, uh, his experience with the prophetic, and it was just so beautiful. I'd love if you would share it with us, Iswe. Hello. Uh, basically, what it is, is like, uh, you know, Anne and I, my wife, we were looking to have Phoebe, our daughter, and uh, we've been trying to have Phoebe for the last four or five years and you know it wasn't happening type of thing and then um the one saturday in november it was basically just before we went to church the saturday we were talking about you know going for other options because of it wasn't happening we were sort of like trying to look into ivf and the possibility of adoption as well and um Anne was quite distraught about it, and she was just in tears, like, every time, because, you know, we wanted to have Phoebe for, for so long, and it was sort of like, um, you know, and, and obviously it weighs on me as well. And then Sunday, we came to church, and she was still quite with a heavy heart. And as we were there, we had a guy come to us, and this guy comes to us, he says to us, you guys have been praying for something to God, and you've been waiting for something for a long period of time. He said, I don't know what it is, but I have a feeling both of you know what it is that you've been praying for for so long. Uh, he didn't know what he was telling us, but Anne and I knew, and because of the Saturday before we were talking about this. And then he said to me, and then he said to us, I just want to tell you that God said he's had you. You know, God, God he's had you, and then he's working on it. And then we just, we just took that, even though the guy didn't know what he was talking about, but Anne and I just immediately knew and there was Anne again and just crying in tears. And he said, the last thing he said, he says, God is about to complete your joy. You know, he will complete that joy for you. And um, so we just took it at that. And then he said, God is just going to complete your joy. He left and then we left, we went home. And when we went home, you know, those who know me, I work in transport. And I was driving this 18-ton lorry. I was taking it down to, to, to Heathrow Duff to get it MOT'd and stuff. And then as I'm driving... I get a phone call which comes through the Bluetooth uh, thing. She says to me, 
guess what? I said, what? She goes, like, I'm pregnant right now as, as we speak. I said, oh, really? Almost had a crash on the M25 going to the A25 there. So that was, that was pretty cool. And, and, and then we knew that, you know, God was part of this and God, you know, God was very involved and he really did hear our prayers and the prophecy was quite uplifting and it caused us to even believe more. Thank you. So good. How good is that? I just love that moment of God has heard you. Right? That's what we get in the prophetic. That's what we get to do. We get to look people in the eye and say, God has heard you. And yeah, I just love that story in so many ways. Isway, thank you for sharing it. There's this really interesting um, part of this chapter where Paul says, I want you to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. You know, I, I want you all to speak in tongues, but I, I really want you all to prophesy. Why do you think it is that, that Paul tells us to eagerly desire prophecy more than the other gifts? I think that one of the reasons for this is that prophecy can be one of the clearest validations of God's great love. Right? We heard it in that story. I hear you. It can be one of these beautiful moments that he has heard us, he has seen us. When people hear the thoughts and emotions of God toward them, they believe in his love for them. When people receive a prophetic word, they feel loved, right? Seen and heard and connected to God. It kind of brings him close. It's this sort of unique touch point with the divine where for a moment we forget that he's the God that flings stars into space because he's the God that knows my name, my hopes, my desires, my fears, my future. He's the God that's close. At the beginning of this chapter of Corinthians, uh, we're looking at, it says, follow the way of love. And the way of love is this. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die to redeem them and draw them close to himself. And what happens when we reach out to people and speak prophetically into their lives is that we co-labor with Christ in reaching down from heaven and connecting people with God. The heart of God is always for connection to mankind. That's like his heartbeat. And so I think Paul wants us all to run after prophecy because it's one of the greatest tools of love that we have. I read this really beautiful story this week. Um, from Mike Pilavacci, who you'll know, um, he was here a few weeks ago, and he's, uh, he's from a Greek background, um, but he ministers and works in England. Mike shared this story about um, being at an event and meeting this woman, and she came forward for prayer. And as soon as Mike um, spotted this woman, he very clearly heard um, a Greek word. He heard the word skubala, and that word mean is Greek for like excrement, basically. It's just a horrible word. He heard this word and, um, and this woman came forward and he didn't really know quite what to do with it. So he prayed, but he just felt God wanted him to share it. So he said to the woman, I don't know if you know, if you, like if you know any Greek, but I just felt like God was saying to you that you are not scubala, that you are precious and loved by him. This woman just broke down right in front of his eyes, just broke down in tears. And it turns out that she had spent a, a portion of her life married to this Greek guy, and she would moved to Greece to be with him. 
And he turned out to be really abusive. And he had actually nicknamed her Scubala. This is what he would introduce her as at parties. This is what he would call her. And just in that moment, just God just cuts through years of damage and just spoke straight into her heart. That is not who you are. That is not how I see you. The prophetic is one of the greatest tools of love that we have because it communicates to people the God who sees, the God who hears. Now, what's scary about that story, Mike says, he's really honest about it. He says, what's scary is how close he came to not sharing that word with that woman because it came into his mind and it's a bit of a dark kind of word. And he just, he came so close to not having shared it. And um, I just think how much that will have impacted that woman's life and changed the whole kind of course of her destiny. And yet he so nearly didn't give it. And I don't say that to put pressure on us, because I know it can be scary when we feel like we want to say something, but we're not sure it's right. Um, I don't say that to put pressure, except for maybe a tiny bit of pressure. Because actually the stakes are so high here, right? And I feel like oftentimes the downside to getting a word a little bit wrong are so small compared to the downsides of not sharing it if it's right. See, here's the thing. Once I understand that the prophetic is not about me or other people's perceptions of me, but is about the person standing in front of me encountering the risen Christ, that changes everything. You remember when God created the world, he spoke it into being. Let there be light. And one of the other amazing things about prophecy is that prophecy also calls into being things that are not yet. It speaks words of destiny and life into people. And that's the power of our words. The book of Proverbs says that life and death are in the power of our tongues. And when we ask God for prophetic words for people, we kind of step into this opportunity of speaking life over them destiny and future over them. And this, I think, changes completely how we relate to them if we can learn to see them from the heavenly lens. We no longer see them for kind of their faults and their failures that we know about. We see how heaven sees them. We see this redemptive vision of what they're becoming, what their eternal destiny is rather than their current reality. And this was this is just how Jesus lived and led, right? He has this like ragtag band of fishermen and tax collectors and prostitutes, and he uses them to reshape the world. Somehow he saw them through different eyes. They looked different to him uh, than they did to everyone else around. And so the level of value he treated them with was so uncommon. That I really believe is our calling as Christians, to follow in his footsteps, to not always treat people according to their current reality, but according to their eternal destiny in Christ. We see this when he speaks to Peter. One of my favorite moments in the New Testament, Matthew 16, verse 18. He looks Peter in the eye, this like 21-year-old guy who's like clumsy, foot in his mouth half the time. He looks him in the eye and he says, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You are Peter. This is the power of the prophetic. You are a rock. Jesus calls out Peter's eternal destiny, not his current 
fit in mouth, bit of a disaster half the time reality. You're Peter, and on this rock I am building my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And it's funny, I think, how Adam and I were talking about this this week, about Peter and how often these core aspects of our calling, these core aspects of our destiny are often the things that are going to be challenged the most. Because we are, in a, we are in a battle. Peter, on the night that Jesus is being killed, I bet he didn't feel much like a rock on which he could build anything. We have an enemy who wants to go after our destinies, but that's why it's so important as a church that we operate in the gift of the prophetic for one another because it sustains and strengthens us when we're tested. You're Peter. You're a rock. And through the Holy Spirit, we need to learn to interact with each other according to how heaven sees us. That guy on your team in work who's like honestly a bit of a pain in the neck half the time, that that girl that's in your tutorial who is maybe a bit hard work, or your kids. What, what might God be saying about that pain in the neck guy? What eternal destiny might he be calling that guy into? What is God saying to that girl? This is our, our calling in the prophetic. We get to, to partner with God and, and listen to what he might be whispering over these people around us. I wonder what would happen if we as Emmaus really began to do this, to ask God to help us see and treat everyone around us the way that he sees them. I really think I would start to talk differently about people. I really think I would stop saying a lot of the things that I give myself permission to say. I really think I would treat people a little bit differently too. If I could see everybody I meet with those heavenly eyes. And when we pray for one another, you know when we like get people up and we're like, let's do prayer ministry, let's pray for one another. The hope is that we might see what he sees, which enables us to love like he loves. I think it's... um, I want to go after this a bit tonight because I think it's incredibly easy for us to criticize and spot the faults in other people. Anyone can do that. It's not, it's not smart. It doesn't take a lot of intelligence or wisdom, but it can be really easy to do. And I'm so guilty of this so much of the time. And for just a moment, it makes us feel a bit powerful, criticizing other people. It makes us feel a bit superior. But as Christians, we just we have to be different. Life and death are in the power of our tongues. Anyone can see the mud on a person's face, you know, their flaws, their follies. Anyone can see that. But our calling as Christians and with prophetic gifts is to see the gold and to call it out in people. I had a really um, quite dramatic experience of this. With, we, um, with the vision questions, we take them out on the streets, um, praying for people and prophesying over them in the streets and um, and we were doing this last year and I ended up separated from some of the Vizies. But I spotted this couple and um and I ended up chatting with them. This guy had like a Brazil cap so we were chatting about um both of us have been to Brazil. We talked a little bit about that. And then the conversation um kind of turned around to what we're doing and we're praying for people and, and, and just trying to bless people. And the woman who this guy was with instantly started to get really aggressive. Like completely just the religion is is the problem with everything in society is religion's fault. I hate the church. I hate everything to do with Christianity. Do you know every world war has been caused by religion? You know, all this chat. 
And oftentimes in my like slight like theology apologetics brain, I think, aha, I hear your argument. <laughs> I've got a few things I could share on that. But I just felt the Holy Spirit say, Hannah, how many people have you argued into faith recently? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that would be nobody because it's not a good, it's not often a good strategy. So he just said to me like, what, what's the gold? You know, you can see there's a lot of, lot of obvious, what's the gold? What, how do I see this woman? And so she's like, oh, I hate the church, I hate everything about it, how dare you be doing this, blah, blah, blah. I say, like, I just really feel like, um, I feel like God wants to say to you that you're a really caring person, <laughs> which is kind of funny because she's like, so great. I just, just feel like you're a really caring person. And she stopped on her track, she was like... I'm a professional carer. That's what I've been doing. That's my job for the past 25 years. I was like, yeah, and I just, I feel like you're really good at your job and, and God loves that. Like, he really loves how caring you are. And she was like, I am really good at my job. And like, it just suddenly, like 360, she was like, yeah, no, I, I am a caring person. And she kind of, it was almost like she just stepped into it. Right, you call out the gold and almost bring it to life. And we then had this amazing conversation. She was like, yeah, someone gave, one time gave me this cross necklace and I always wanted to know what that was all about. I was like, I can tell you what it's all about, like dream scenario. And we ended up praying for her on the streets. And this is someone who hates the church. And it was just this, this transformational moment of like, call out the gold. Like, what is hev- like, what does God see in her? Like he loves her caring heart, and he can, just, he can just cut right through everything else. He just goes straight to the heart of people. What would happen if we at Emmaus committed to be the people who refuse to get distracted by the dirt or fixate on the dirt and search for the gold instead? What would that look like for Guildford? I really believe that um, there are some of us here tonight who want to grow in this gift of the prophetic, and I think if we, if we want to do this, we need to get really serious about guarding our hearts and our minds. The Bible tells us that over the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If I'm constantly criticizing and speaking negative words about someone, it's so unlikely that I'm going to be able to speak powerfully and prophetically into their life. Because out of the overflow of my heart, that's what's going to come out. So we need to be, if we want to grow in the prophetic, I think we need to take really seriously this thing of our hearts, our minds, and our mouths. So what is the gift of prophecy? What does it look like in practice? Firstly, I think it looks like learning to listen. Pete shared this word a few weeks ago, a brilliant talk on listening to God, and he said he feels like the Holy Spirit is saying to us, I want your full attention. God wants to speak to us. The message of scripture is really clear about that. He wants to speak. One of Jesus' names is literally the word. Like he wants to communicate with us. We just need to listen. And I think we often can get quite worried about whether or not we can really hear God or, or maybe we feel like we can't distinguish between what's my thoughts and what's him. And if that's you here tonight, I want to just set you free of that because the beautiful truth of scripture is that Jesus has more confidence in your ability to hear God than you do. Did you know that? Jesus has no doubts about your ability to hear. John 10, 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them 
and they follow me. He knows you can hear him. And he trusts you to follow. In other words, according to the Bible, the only qualification you need to hear the voice of God is to be a sheep. So we trust that he is speaking and we learn to listen. Secondly, the gift of prophecy, I think, often looks more normal than we tend to think. Growing up, as I said earlier, I often assumed that the only ways that God might speak outside the Bible would be quite weird and otherworldly. But one of the keys to learning to walk in the everyday supernatural is learning to recognize the everyday whispers, the little moments, in the, in the big moments of our lives and in the small ones. There's this great... Um, there's this great story in 1 Samuel um, chapter 3 where God is calling Samuel. And uh, Samuel hears uh, this voice calling to him and runs to Eli, the priest, and says, I'm here, you called me. And Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And this happens three times before Eli finally twigs. Is God calling you? Go back and listen to what he's saying. And so here's the thing that I learned from that story is that at least some of the time, the voice of God will sound so normal, it could be mistaken for the man in the next room. He thinks that it's Eli. Another thing we know about the voice of God is that despite what I often imagine in my head, I, don't, I always imagine a booming voice. I don't know about you, but like, a, this is God, hear ye kind of a voice. But the Bible, um, the Bible actually talks about how God often sounds like a whisper. Do you remember the story in 1 Kings 19 where Elijah's like burned out and just needs an encounter with God and, and God calls him out onto this mountain and like blasts him with a, like a great wind and then an earthquake and then a fire and God's not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire and then comes this gentle whisper, the voice of God. The Lord speaks in a whisper. Because here's the thing about a whisper. You have to be really close to hear it. I think the heart of God is that we're close. I think that's why his voice sounds like a whisper. He wants us to be close. And so walking in the everyday supernatural is learning to hear and listen to the whispers of God as we go about our day. What might he be whispering about that person that you sit next to in lectures? Is there anything he wants to say about them? I want to read you this story. There's a guy called um, Sean Boltz who wrote a book called Translating God, all about the prophetic, which I really recommend. And he just put this story up on his Facebook this week. Um, so I'd love to read it to you because um, I thought it was cool. It was just at our local grocery store and everyone there seemed like a lost soul. I thought, get me out of here. As I hurried out, I saw him the one that everyone looks past and ignores. A bum who I am sure is used to his spot. He was only making initial eye contact with people to see if they had anything for him. It was a very hot day in LA and I wanted to just get in my car, but he was too alluring to the spirit of love inside of me. My attitude instantly adjusted. I went over to him and said, I'd like to do something for you, what can I do? He was nice at first. He wanted some water and food. I had some things he liked. And then he started a crazy conspiracy drug-addicted rant and almost turned on me. Whoa, hold the conspiracy. I'm just the guy trying to value you, I said, smiling, but also taking spiritual authority under my breath. He stopped. His eyes looked down. 
and it was like a reset button was hit. I know who you are. God sends me good people to show me he still loves me. I don't let him, though, because of what I've done. I was shocked. He was self-aware, God-aware, but still was rejecting the truth of God's love because of his shame. I asked God, what can I say? I didn't feel heroic or like this was one of those profound times, but I put my hand on his very smelly shirt and looked him in the eyes and said, he will keep coming until you let him in again. He just loves you too much. Do you remember the son in the prodigal son story? The father never looked at him as the wayward son. He just saw a son. He had tears in his eyes. Thanks for the food and the reminder, he said. Then, out of my mouth from the spirit came the game changer. An insight, a word of knowledge just popped out. Your son would forgive you if he was alive, I said. He looked at me, angry at first, and then started to cry. He cried for a while. Then he looked at me and said, are you an angel? You have to be, that's how you knew. I told him I wasn't, but that I knew because his son was in heaven with God and God had just told me that. He looked like a million pounds had lifted off of him. I wrote down our church's name and told him to come by. I told him if he was ready to pursue life again and come find God, I would help. We prayed together and he felt totally different. I might be ready, he whispered. I hugged him and left him to ponder. I thought, man, I am so glad God is in me and that his love can compel me. He was too alluring to the spirit of love inside of me. Isn't that beautiful? I'm pretty sure God didn't like boom in a lightning bolt sort of way for Sean to talk to him. I think it was probably a little whisper. But the more we walk in this intimate relationship with God, we begin to learn his little signals. You know, I just don't think that the prophetic is a code or a puzzle that we have to crack. It's a person, a relationship that we're growing in. So prophecy looks like listening, looks more normal and often quieter than we think. And in our experience, it often looks like one of these. I'm just going to rattle through these. And um, if you want more on any of these, um, we can chat. And there's a really good book um, that we're basing this series on. But really quickly, pictures and visions, you feel it, you speak it, you hear it, you know it. So pictures and visions, this is where you can quite visually see um, something that God is speaking to you about and speaking through a picture. And this would include dreams that you might have that have come from God. Secondly, you feel it. Sometimes the, the gift of the prophetic can cause us to feel something. We get maybe a sense of emotion that could point us to what's going on in someone else. Or um, we're going to look at healing next week. Sometimes with the gift of healing, you might prophetically almost feel something in your body because God wants to do it in someone else. Or just tonight when we were praying before the service, um, Anna, as soon as we started praying, got a really funny feeling in her, in her tongue and said, this is, that, this is the feeling that I had right before I was given the gift of tongues. I feel God wants to give that to someone tonight. And so sometimes we feel it. Other times we speak it. Have you ever been praying for someone and all of a sudden your words almost take on a life of their own and it sounds a lot wiser than you normally sound? <laughs> Has anyone else had that experience? And you're like, oh, I'm good at praying today. <laughs> but sometimes we just, we just speak and, and God begins to kind of shape and form the right words and suddenly what we're praying becomes prophetic. So we speak it. And this is just kind of partnering with the Holy Spirit who's in us and working through us. 
or you hear it. So you might hear a name or a phrase or a word. Like this is where God will whisper something to you and you'll hear it. Sometimes it, it might sound audible even though no one else can hear it or it might just be sort of in your imagination you hear the words. Or you know it. And this is where um, supernaturally you'll know something that you couldn't otherwise have done. So in that story that Sean shared, he suddenly knew something about this man's son. So suddenly you'll just know something that you couldn't have known. And I love this because it's such a beautiful way for God's heart to just show how much he loves and cares for someone. We get this, um, what's called a word of knowledge. A really practical, I think one of the best ways that someone taught me about how to do this prophecy thing is, and I'm quite a visual person, if you've got someone in front of you and you want to prophesy over them, um, just almost imagine Jesus is standing behind them, like just over their shoulder, and just be like, Jesus, what are you saying to them? The busies are laughing because we did this this week in our lectures. What are you saying? And just, just ask him to speak, and I find that's quite helpful, a little one for me. And remember, we've got to be pastoral as well as prophetic, right? Like, use your emotional intelligence. If you're out in the streets, like, we don't want to be going up and freaking people out with thus saith the Lord. But maybe, you'll, maybe you will get a prophetic revelation about someone's son. Maybe ask, how's your relationship with your son? You know, like, learn to be pastoral as well as prophetic. And then finally, really quickly, we're about to finish. How can we grow in the gift of prophecy? I think we grow as we grow in relationship with him. Prophecy is an overflow of our intimacy, our walk with the Lord. So the more you know him, the more you'll be able to discern his voice. Richard Foster talks about developing like an inner attentiveness. He talks about a portable sanctuary of the heart, which I love. We've got to like learn to be still in, a, in, a, in, in such a way that we can actually hear those whispers. This is what Danielle was talking about at the start. Like, We've got to learn to still our hearts in the hustle and bustle of our day. I, I so often leave the supermarket and don't notice the guy because I don't have that stillness that allows me to, to hear. Secondly, serve. All the gifts of the Spirit are given to us to serve the church. That's, the, that's their purpose. And, um, and so if we want to grow in them, we need to be servants. Like find a team, serve the coffee, stack the chairs. If you want to grow in the prophetic, grow as a servant leader. Third, get entrenched in the Bible, the ultimate written word of God. If you want to know what God sounds like, read his book. That's what, <laughs> that's what his voice sounds like. So get entrenched in the Bible. Get to know his character, his plans, his ways. So we prioritize the presence. We serve. We get deep into his word. And finally, practice. Step out. And there's total grace here at Emmaus Road, if we get it wrong. But we do sometimes just need to step out a little bit outside of our comfort zone and give it a go. Adam did this discipleship year um, uh, over at a church in America. And a guy in the year above him was telling this story of um, they would take the students on their discipleship year. So like our vision question, so take them around to conferences. And they would stand them up at the front of the church. And then they'd go down the line and each one had to give a word for someone, which is like super stressful and we're not going to make you do that um, here tonight. But they did this and, and actually this really profound moment happened where the guy on the end was thinking, I've got nothing, I've got nothing. And this random phrase, lucky star, pops into his head and he's like, good one. Don't know what to do with that. But he sees this guy, he's like, 
lucky star. And they're going down and he's like, this is so bad. Like, I'm going to get this so wrong. He's like, dude. And the guy's like a big guy, tattoos and everything. He's like, this is just feel Cole wants to say lucky star so turns out so this guy starts weeping turns out that his um his wife had died and he was raising his daughter by himself and he was absolutely paralyzed by this fear that he was a bad dad and he said god i just need to hear from you on this i'm totally lost i don't know what i'm doing and um, I think him and his daughter had something to do with this phrase, lucky star. He said, I need someone to say this. Look me in the eye and say that to me, and then I'll know. <laughs> like, that is so mad. blows my mind. But the thing is, is that if he wasn't stood in that lineup, he never would have given that word. <laughs> like, sometimes we've got to be pushed out of our comfort zone. Like I said, we're not, I'm not going to make you do that right now. But, but we must challenge ourselves. We owe this to one another. Like, This is a gift that is being poured out for the strengthening, the encouraging, the comforting, the edifying of this church. And we all have access to it. We all get to play. Let's pray together. Why don't you bow your heads? Jesus, thank you that you love this world that you love mankind, that you're constantly reaching out to reconnect with the hearts of everybody that we come across. And thank you that by the power of your Holy Spirit and by this gift of the prophetic, we can um, play a part in drawing people to you. I want to pray right now, would you release this gift? We love you, God. Amen.